now, could you stand with me as we read uh, the scripture for today's sermon? We're reading from 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is, that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You may be seated. Oh, let's pray quickly. <laughs> Almighty God, we pray that you will bless our hearing and the speaking uh, of your words uh, this morning. Be with Pastor Kyle as he preaches, and be with each of us as we open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, friends. Um, thank you. I know that um, most of you know me, but if you're watching online, I'm one of the pastors here. That was Pastor Joe, and I'm uh, Kyle. Um, we um, are so glad uh, to be with you this morning and to be celebrating to you, with you the Lord's Day. And I'm so happy that um, we're gathering to hear God's word and to, to remember just how valuable and how rich it is. Um, how valuable and rich our fellowship with each other around it is. And I'm just so, um, just so grateful to the Lord that we can be doing this together today. I'm getting a little feedback. I don't know if it's too loud. Mike? Yeah, there we go. Is that better? Okay. So, um, as you probably can tell, I run a lot. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't run at all. Um, my brother-in-law d- does, though, and I believe he's, he's talked for a while about uh, potentially running a, a half marathon or a full marathon. Has uh, any runners or former runners? I formerly was a runner, so I can raise my hand there. Yep. So I used to run a lot when I was in my 20s. And um, did you know that the very first marathon was 352 miles? Did you know that? Um, Pheidippides ran 150 miles from Athens to Sparta in under 36 hours. Incredible. That's a 14-minute mile for 36 hours. You say, oh, 14, minute mi- 14 minutes, that's not that big a deal. We'll try doing that for 150 of them, <laughs> right? Like, so he ran um, from, from Athens to Sparta in under 36 hours to petition the Spartans to send soldiers to the front line in Marathon. He then ran the same distance back to Athens because he needed to fight in the battle and onto the marathon battlefield. Before the Spartans could arrive, the, act- the Athenians actually claimed the victory, and Pheidippides ran back, to tw- uh, ran back 26 miles to make this announcement. That, b- by the way, that's where we get our 26 miles for our marathons today. And I don't know why it's not 352. Maybe that would take too long. He ran back to Athens 26 miles simply to deliver this message. Nikeo, that's where we get the word Nike in our shoes from, victory. And then he cries out, joy, and dies. 
This is a true story. <laughs> this is a true story. I'm not kidding. I know some of you know me and you know I kid a lot. That is actually true. He runs 352 miles, the last leg of it, just to simply announce that they had won the victory and dropped dead. And this is the account of Lucian that he gives of this um, very famous run. Now, can you imagine? You think that after the victory was won, you might just decide, well, I'll take it easy now. I'll catch my breath. But he wanted to run back to announce this good news. Joy to you, he says, victory. I think there's a lot of people in this room and maybe watching me online that we just need a win, don't we? We need something to go right, especially now. We want to hear that good word, victory, joy. Nike was, uh, or Nike, was the mythological Greek goddess of victory. She was said to fly around battlefields, rewarding the victors with glory and fame, and she would do this by a symbol, a symbol of a, a wreath of bay leaves. Um, Nike, the Greek goddess of victory, is on um, all these ancient Greek potteries and paintings, um, vases. Uh, we, we can see her in this, uh, in this ancient Greek art floating beside a, a winning athlete while she holds the victor's crown above their head. And today, believe it or not, the goddess Nike is still depicted on Olympic medals. For the ancient Greek, Victory and glory were of paramount importance. You know, the glory of Rome. We hear this language sometimes if you watch movies or read history about it. Um, <clears throat> gl glory and victory were of paramount importance. To conquer human weaknesses, which is part of our nature, like laziness or lust, like the heroes of old, it brings glory. It brings a victory. And glory for the ancient Greek, by the way, just means something what others hear about you. What's the story that they tell about your life? What's the word? So they, so they held in great esteem heroes like Hector at Troy and Achilles or Odysseus, like in Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey. And if you, if in their minds, if you were to endure through great hardship and self-discipline, and emerge victorious, Nike, Nike would crown you with the victor's crown. And this was engraved into the Greek and Roman culture, in their art, in their military, in their sports. It was their values, is what we might call it. It's the same culture, by the way, that John is writing here. And he says, this is your victory. This is your Nike, your Nike. He's in the Greco-Roman world speaking to people who are highly influenced by this sort of desire for fame and glory and victory. And he speaks something shockingly countercultural to it. Because the Greeks and the Romans looked to the perfected man as the arbiter of victory. Self-discipline, self-control, these sorts of things over a period of time, over many hardships, would help you emerge victorious, like Pheidippides. But John says this, who is it that overcomes? Nike uses the same word. Who is it that overcomes? Who is, it the, who is the one that is crowned with the victor's crown? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
He says, you want to win? You want to overcome? You want victory? Believe. Faith in Jesus Christ. He doesn't say run 350 whatever miles. He doesn't say get a million degrees. He says trust in Jesus, the Son of God. He's your victory. He's the one that wins. Jesus is the victor, the champion, the winner, the glorious one. He is our Pheidippides and Achilles, right? It's Jesus Christ alone, what Latin theology has called Christus Victor. Christ, the victorious one. I'm guessing at some point in your life, in some form or other, you've wanted to win at something. You wanted, you, you wanted glory. You wanted to be looked at sort of and be praised for something. Maybe it was for a pot roast. You know, we can want simple wins, right? Sometimes at Thanksgiving, we want family to love our lasagna. It's coming up, right? And all of you have this, well, maybe not all of you, but some of you have this special thing that you make and it was handed down from your grandmother's grandmother. And everyone talks about it. And they can't wait to show up to your house and your party for your cookies. That's your glory. They're talking about you. They love what you do and what you can do. It's a little thing, right? But it's true. You see, for many of us, it comes out in different forms. We want to be talked about for... Maybe our surgical skills, we're surgeons, or we're a great lawyer. We want people to boast of our business acumen, right? Or, or of our great love, the kind of per- mercy that we display. You see, friends, we're all after a win. Who here doesn't want to win? Phidippides ran over 350 miles and dropped dead simply so he could utter the word victory. Many of us would, be, would do anything for glory to be spoken of, to be crowned. We're after it. We want it. We lust for it. But this morning, I want to talk about the only victory that really matters, and it's not you who does it. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because until you find victory in him, all of your, all of your other victories will seem like losses. Over time, they, the shine will just wear off. Because we need a better victory, and that victory we find in Christ. So this morning, I want to demonstrate how to find it more fully. The Christian does not believe that unaided human accomplishment can overcome what matters most. According to the Bible, real victory, real conquering, real overcoming comes first by the new birth. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And we've got to follow the progression here. Um, if we're going to understand the importance of this statement. Because later on, as we read through the text, you might have noticed, you are born of God if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and those born of God have overcome. Overcome the world in particular. So conclusion, if you want to win, if you want to emerge victorious, you must be born of God. So victory only comes by the new birth. I want to say this maybe a little bit more simply. You will never win by yourself with your own flesh and blood. That's the first birth. The first birth is you by yourself. The second birth is you made alive, that you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it's in that birth that you find your victory. 
that you find your win. So our deep intellect, our spectrum of emotions, our human accomplishments, our displays of strength will not and cannot bring you victory, the, the kind of soul victory that you're after. As long as you wear this skin, we are destined for defeat. And I know that that's negative. It might not be a popular message in this world today. But if you want to overcome, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. You need a second birth. You must be born again. As in your first birth, by the way, did you decide to be born? Nope. Right? Someone else decided that for you. The second birth requires a supernatural power from the determined will of God. So in other words, even in your second birth, the victory doesn't come by you. It comes by the power of God. God brings it. John chapter 1. But as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but were born the second time of the will of God. You see, so we can't take the credit for the victory that is ours in the second birth because it is God that gives us the second birth. Does that make sense? Why do we need to be born of God to overcome to win well what are you trying to win at if it's a spelling bee or if you want to be the valedictorian we can use sort of our intellectual prowess maybe to pull the, those things off but friends the question i'm asking you today is what do you have to win so that if you don't win it we lose everything else and it would make every other win in life essentially seem like a loss. You see, that's what we're after. In all the little victories of life, what we're, what we're really after is the bigger win. And you know what the bigger win in the scripture is? A reconciled relationship with God, what scripture calls eternal life. That's the bigger win. That's what you were created to be good at. To love the Lord your God and to love his neighbor as yourself. But sin interrupted fellowship with God, separated us from him, so that we were cut off and the wages of sin is death, so that faith in Christ now, the work of Christ, reconciles us with God in a second birth so that we can overcome the world that has robbed our relationship with him. Jesus said, this is life that they might know me. Be in me and I in them. That's the prize. And it's a prize that your flesh and blood can't win. Jesus has to win it. You must be born again, friends. If you want to receive the greatest prize of eternal life, it's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can race to accomplish. It is something that God is doing and has done for you. Amen? So victory is in the new birth. Let's talk about this now. Victory is love. <clears throat> Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know. This is 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. Before we kind of dig into this, let me just say something very simple, a simple observation. The proof of new birth in Christ is love. When we are born again, when God gives us eyes to see that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, what he births in our heart is love for him and love for his people. The proof of the new birth is love. It doesn't mean we always love, constantly, 
It just means that it's born there. It exists there. It lives there. It can be resisted, but it's present. So therefore, the path to victory, to, accomp to accomplishing what God has set out for you to accomplish in your reconciliation with him, eternal life, is so that we love him. That's the end goal. That's, the, that's what God has aimed to accomplish through the death and resurrection of Christ. We lost our great love because of sin, and Jesus won it back. You see, victory is love. And John says something here that might seem a little bit out of order, if you noticed. Normally, he says that we know we love God by our love for his children, right? But did you notice how he said it here? We know, we know that we love his children if we love God. It seems kind of out of order. We're not used to him talking like that. How can, we say how can we say we love God who we do not see, this is again what he normally says, if we don't love his children who we do see? So he questions the authenticity normally of our love for God if we're not actively loving each other. But here it's turned around. And I think the reason is it's just as true to say that we cannot truly love each other if we don't love God. Is it really possible to love anything if we don't love the source of everything? How can we say we love each other if we know not our maker? You see, friends, we love each other more fully and more completely when we know who made us. Can we really love the created thing without knowing and loving the creator? doesn't our love deepen and widen and increase for a thing when we know about its author? Let me give you an example. I think I got a picture that's going to come up on the screen for you to see. Is it there? There we go. Isn't that nice? This is a picture. It was obviously drawn by a child, right? Um, we look at this picture and we, we might notice again like a, a child made it. And because of that, all of you might like appreciate on a certain level sort of like the mind that went behind it. You don't, you don't know the person, but you just appreciate a, a, a child made this for someone, right? And if I gave this picture to you, it might mean something to you just because you know, well, a little kid made this. Isn't that nice? So you might appreciate it on a certain level. But what if I told you who the artist was? And I think I got a picture of her that you can put up. Here we go. There she is. That's who drew this. Now, I, I know a lot. some of you might not know her, but doesn't that make you like this a little more? <laughs> right? It just does, doesn't it? And uh, now pretend you're me. Don't I like this a lot more? Yes. <laughs> right? I know who made it, and I know why she made it for me. Because one day I was leaving work, right, as I normally do. I go out almost every day, and I leave work. And she loves me, and, she's, and she misses me. So she wanted me to remember her. So she, she got down at the table really fast, and she said, Dad, hold on, don't leave yet. So she started scribbling and drawing. And, and, and right as I'm about to leave the door, she hands me this. She said, Dad, come home early today. Right? You see, friends, when you walk around and you say, oh, I love Bob, and I love Sue, and I love my job, and what a great... What a great landscape. Look at the sunset. Isn't it so beautiful? We can all appreciate that on a, cer a certain level. But when we know who made it, and when we know why he made it, 
And scripture tells us that he made it to show his love for you and for me. Doesn't it make that sunset just better? Can't we love it more now? You see, now it's fuller. Our heart for it increases. This for me is not just a picture. This is a picture given to me by my daughter who loves me. So now when I go outside, I can know. When I start to know the creator, I can, when I say, I, isn't, what a beautiful day. Don't you love this day? It's not just because it makes my skin warm. It's because it reminds me of who made it for me. Isn't that true? How can we say we truly love each other if we do not love the Father? You friend, see, see, friends, this is the principle. If you really want to love your wife, if you really want to love your husband, if you really want to love your children, your friends, if you really want to love your job, love the Lord. And what you'll start seeing is his fingerprints on all of those things. You'll start realizing that he brought them all to you for your good because he loves you. See, victory is love. You see, that artist for me was a, a special person. And we have a, a greater artist, a better artist. His name is the Lord. And our Lord hung for us on a cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we would not love his world more than him. Right? So that he would crown us with purpose and give us hope. <clears throat> Friends, victory is love. And if you are marked by bitterness towards God, I'm pretty certain that you're probably bitter at everything else, too. You probably aren't as happy in your relationships as you once were, in your work as you once were. You see, love breeds love. Love for God breeds love for his creation, but hate breeds hate, too. Bitterness towards him will eventually bring you to bitterness towards those people around you that he made for you. The victory march is marked by sacrificial love. Not coming in first or accomplishing more or winning a race. Friends, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be a servant of all. Love sacrificially. The love of Christ is your victory march. Victory number three is commitment. Okay? The one who overcomes is born again, as we said. The proof of new life is love, but secondly, commitment, or as Scripture um, says here, keeping his commands or obeying his commands in verse 3. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Why does operating in the love of God require our obedience to him? We, we sort of don't like this. We trip over this sometimes. If you love, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It sounds almost manipulative, doesn't it? Like a, like a husband saying, you know, if you really loved me, you'd wash the dishes. <laughs> right? Or you'd pick up after, after, after myself, right, all the mess I made. It sounds, it sounds kind of manipulative. If you Jesus said, if you loved me, you would keep my commands. But friends, just remember this. Your husband did not create you. Your God did. God's commands are not burdensome because God's commands represent his nature, and his character. So, for example, God is truth. So lying undermines who he is, right? So a command, thou shalt not lie, it's not there to make us miserable or to make our lives difficult. It is there to complement our shared nature with him as, as made in his image. 
So in other words, lying doesn't just contradict his nature, it contradicts ours too. It's not a good life to be constantly lying. Isn't that true? So God's law is the outworking of his nature, and God's nature is who he is. So God is truth, like I said. The outworking of that nature in his law is, is going to be the abhorrence of like lying, for example. Thou shalt not lie is why that's a command. To lie is to offend who God is, and it's to, to offend who you are created in his image. Friends, it is not loving to resist the nature of the one you love. Is it? And it is not loving to resist your own nature as well. Victory walks in love, and that means that we're honoring God's nature and the nature of his created thing. See? That's what this means. That's why he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. You cannot say you love God if you refuse him as he, as he is. You see? You cannot love God if you refuse him as he is and contradict him. So victory is commitment. And lastly, I want to talk about this and how important is this. Victory is faith. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. But faith in what? Okay, good question. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, what are we faith in, according to John? Not our strength, not on the word of a, of, of a dad or a mom. We don't faith in that for our own life and salvation. We faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who is born of God overcomes, and the one born of God is such by faith in the Son of God. And what a powerful insight. This is your victory, friend. This is how you overcome in life. Even your faith that Jesus is the Son of God. You know that in Scripture, faith and believe are the same Greek word. It's, the, it's, the, it's just a different form. One is a Greek and one is a noun, right? Faith in Scripture is trust. The object of faith in Scripture, unlike the ancient Greek world, trusted, which trusted, by the way, in their own naked strength, and their power of human potential, it was inward. Our faith is not inward according to Scripture. Our faith is outward. We do not trust in our own strength and power or wisdom. We, we trust in the strength, power, and wisdom and wealth of our Lord. Right? Without Him, we are nothing. We can't even breathe the breath in our lungs. The Scripture teaches that this victory, by the way, has already been won. So our confidence is that Jesus is the Son of God. Our faith is that Christ is the victorious one. To believe that Jesus is the Son of God in our scripture text means very simply that he is our Savior. Jesus saves me. I don't save me. It's so simple. Jesus doesn't save me. I, excuse me. <laughs> I don't save me. Jesus saves me. My boyfriend doesn't save me. A new fling doesn't save me. Jesus Christ saves me. He's what I need. He's what defines me. He's what gives me purpose and worth and value. He's what proves me. That's what our Lord does. That's what it means that he's our Savior. He saves us from the consequences of sin, which is death. And death produces in us all of those insecurities because we're separate from God. 
Are we worth anything? Do we matter? All of this insecurity comes in because we were supposed to have all of those things given to us by God, through, by God, but we're separate from him now, you see? So Christ fixes that. Christ, the conquering hero, died for our sin, rose again so that we could be saved. The definition of Jesus, the, the name Jesus, means Savior. And the, word, the, the phrase Son of God, basically what that means is that he alone can save. So he's not just one option among many. He alone can save because he's God in the flesh who came to reconcile our broken relationship with God. So the scriptures teach that this victory has already been won as a past event, even prior, by the way, to when you believed in it. We might be tempted to read this um, passage and think that our faith is the victory, right? Um, this is the victory that has overcome the world. That's how it reads. But what it's talking about is not so much that our faith is what overcomes the world, but what we faith in. We faith in the death and resurrection of Christ. This is the victory completed in the past that has overcome the world. That is the death and resurrection of Christ. And the, in the Greek grammar, when you look at it very carefully, it teaches that this victory is a one-time past singular event, and we know what that is because so the, the Bible all throughout the New Testament talks about it. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our victory at that moment. And believing in that is how you incorporate that victory into your life. That victory was when the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, descended into hell, conquered death and Satan, and emerged the winner with the keys of hell and death. You see, that's what Christ has done for you. So we, we have an option. We can, we can believe in everything else, in anything that we can imagine to save us, to prove us, to make us right. Or we can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, friends, he invites you, and whosoever will may come. Jesus wins, Satan loses. Life wins, death loses. God's love wins. Divorce loses. You see? He wins. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I am alive forevermore. You see, that person from your past that utterly ruined you, they are not alive forevermore. The conqueror is Jesus Christ. Trust in him, and he'll make you alive too. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and hell. Jesus has them. Because he's the hero, he's the victor, and we are not. We crown him with many crowns. And he crowns us through faith in Christ. So that when we trust in him, and we don't trust in ourselves, but in him as our savior, we share in his victory. Isn't that great? You want to share in the victor, the, the greatest win that has ever happened? It's not just faith that overcomes the world, friend, but what we faith in, what we trust in, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Friends, if you want a victory, if you want to win, can I ask you to do something? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Trust his word. Trust what he's accomplished. This 
is how we overcome even our faith that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the author and finisher of our faith, the Lamb of God that was slain. And I hope that you'll believe in him this morning. If you don't already, and if you do already, would you believe in him even more? Would you turn to his word and continue to fellowship around his word? Let it build your heart of faith towards him. Don't believe in your feelings or in your heart or in the news or in poets or in lovers. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's your win. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this beautiful experience that we have together to share. I pray if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, friend, would you trust in Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Would you cry out to him a prayer, something like this, God, save me, I'm a sinner. I've loved everything but you. I've trusted in everything um, to be my own personal Savior except Christ. And I want to put my faith in him that his death, burial, and resurrection is my victory that you've given to me by grace. That my sin put him put him there and that that God your justice and your anger towards it is satisfied through his death so that I can be made right with you oh friend if that's you welcome to the family of God trust in Christ and for the rest of us God help us to continue to build our faith and our love for you in Jesus name amen